Hey everybody, it's Pastor Craig and I'm really excited about your guest speaker today and that's John Earl. We love to call him Big John around here. Big John leads a ministry of our church called Freedom Church that reaches out to police all across the metro area. Man, we're seeing people come to Christ, baptized, discipled. So we're really thrilled to have Big John in the house. So buckle your seatbelt, fasten your chin strap because Big John is coming. Give him a big warm welcome. Good to see uh, most of you. Um, my duties on Sunday now takes me away from campus a lot, and so it's good to see a lot of y'all. A lot of y'all served with me and students for a long time, so it's just really good to see, to be in the house with you and, and to see you here today, and got a lot of hugs from the early two services, man, so it's always good to be home uh, amongst, your, um, amongst your people, and uh, I feel really welcomed here, always, always, because you check this out. So we take individuals, brothers and sisters are in the Lord, uh, a great uh, uh, base of volunteers, and we go. And we are going, and we're huffing and puffing, and we're blowing. Uh, we're in about four different services and four different transitional housing uh, in the Metroplex weekly. We're seeing about 120, uh, maybe about 150, 175, up to 200 people that we see weekly. Um, and we're seeing salvation, we're seeing salvation counseling, we're seeing baptism. Um, God is doing amazing things. And all I get to do is just, man, I just go huff and puff and blow. I got some great men and women uh, that are a part of this church that had the hearts for the least of these. And so I'm blessed. I am extremely blessed. I was blessed in student ministry when I had some great volunteers. Now I'm blessed in, in Freedom Church ministry. And man, God is doing some great things. And, and I have an opportunity to be here today. Uh, and I'm just going to give you a word uh, coming from 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. Uh, and I want you to have this thought with you in your mind today and on your hearts. Uh, in the foxhole. In the foxhole. What does that look like for you? Now, when I start thinking about this foxhole, you have to hold on to the thought of conversions. You got to hold on to life and death, um, physically and spiritually, uh, deathbed conversion. Uh, I want you to hold on to that thought when I'm preaching about in the foxhole, because in the foxhole is a mindset and it's a belief that we need to have daily. It has to be on our hearts daily. Look what it says here in 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. It says this, in those days Hezekiah became sick and was to the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amaz, uh, came to him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and he prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness, and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle of the court, the word of the Lord came to him, turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David of your father. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Lord Jesus, man, we are so thankful that we can be in your house uh, here this morning, worshiping you, enjoying the fellowship amongst the brethren and sisters, Lord, enjoying this company and, and doing life with you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I just ask right now that you would hide me behind the shadow of the cross Lord Jesus, I am just a vessel, just a tool. And may you be seen, may you be heard through your word in the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. My daddy, who served in Vietnam, shared with me about the foxhole. 
And the foxhole was about basically one thing, man, life and death. Life and death. You are shooting arterially at people. You are shooting at individuals that you can't even see. And so my daddy would always tell me that the chaplain would walk up and down the foxhole. He would either pray for you, comfort you. That was the job of a chaplain. But in the foxhole, it was life and death. I want you to hold on to this mindset of what does it look like to have a foxhole mentality when we start talking about loving Jesus and loving others. Loving Jesus and loving others. Because that's what we're called to do. To love Jesus with everything we got and then to love others. What does this look like? Now, this is week two of our series Winners and losers. But as the Bible would describe these winners and losers, good and bad kings. Now, Hezekiah is a good king. And the reason why they were called good kings is not because they had totally dominated other nations, other kingdoms. No. Nah. Not because they were quick-witted, flash and dash. No, 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 no. They were labeled good kings only because they obeyed the commands of the Lord. Not what they looked like. They obeyed the commands of the Lord. Look what it says here in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 3. It says, he was 25 years of age. He reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Is that you here this morning? Do you live your life to please God or to please others? This is why Hezekiah was a good king. It says Hezekiah had a personal and growing relationship with the Lord. Hezekiah had a personal and growing relationship with the Lord. Is that you? Look what it says here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and the beat up against the house, but not did it fall because it had been founded on the rock. Are you growing? Understanding if you are a believer, it says he grew. He personally grew in his relationship. This pleased God. This November, I'll be here 10 years. 10 years. And when I first got to this church, I can tell you right now, I didn't know what spiritual growth was. Oh man, I huffed and puffed and I did my evangelistic thing. Man, I spoke in schools, man, but, and, I, and I read my Bible, I had my quiet time. But I didn't know what this growth was until I got here 10 years ago. You know what it looks like? Are you a disciple maker? If you ain't making disciples, then you ain't growing. And then Christianity is about you. Are you reproducing yourself? Because if all you're doing is like, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy, and you're bringing in, then you ain't giving nothing out and you ain't growing. And how did I learn that, man? We banged it out with individuals in this church. Being a disciple maker is tough, it's dirty. It's your fingers in the dirt. It's getting after it. It's doing life with people. It's just not doing church. It's doing life with people. 
And I love what I'm doing right now with these parolees. We're doing life with people. It's messy. You got to roll up your sleeves. When I got here, man, guys like Glenn Underhill, David Fideli, guys like Sean Severide and Zach Towery, who used to work in my departments. Oh, we had these things called the four chairs. It was, it was come and see, it was connect, it was grow, and it was go that we changed it to multiply. And I remember, man, guys like that, man, we would get together and we were talking, we were working it out, and we were banging it out. Because we'd always talk about chair two and three, and what does that look like? And Isaiah says, man, he brings his goods before the Lord. It's like filthy rags. Growing hurts. Growing is tough. Are you pleasing the Lord in your growth? I remember one time we were over at McAllister's, and I'm in front of Sean and Zach, and we're talking about chair two and three, and we had a little disagreement. <laughs> and I tell you what, man, I got so mad, I pushed myself away from the table, got down in my stance, literally, and I was thinking about Sean, several, I said, man, he's about, he, he, he about 160. He, I, I'll take him out real quick, man. He does a little defensive back. But Zach, that's a big brother, big nose guard, man. I'm going to have to do a little work with him. But you know why? Because we were sitting there and we were talking about chair two and three and we were talking about what does it look like salvation and growing, salvation and growing. But they were sharpening me and growth, man. So when I look at that Hezekiah, man, he was pleasing because he was growing. I was growing in my relationship. And I said Hezekiah had a prayer life. Do you know who else who had a prayer life? Jesus. Mark 135, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. He departed and went out to a desolate place by himself where he prayed. So he was growing in his relationship and he had a prayer life. So my first year here, Pastor and I went up to a conference up in Chicago, Moody Bible Institutes. And we were following this one guy who was talking about this disciple-making church. His name was Dan Spader. Guys like Dan Spader, guys like Bill Hall, Eddie Broussard. We'd bring those guys here, man. We would have this church, this conference called Ignites, and people would come all over. And people were getting deeper and deeper and growing. And so Pastor and I, man, we're up at this conference, and one of the nights, the pastor from Brooklyn Tabernacle Church was there. And he preached on prayer. And I was like, oh, man, this is good stuff, man. I'm going to try to apply this into my life. And I turned to my left to look at pastor, and he's on the floor crying. That concerned me. Because we were going to get some deep dish that night, man. I'm thinking, hope he ain't sick, man. We got to go get some deep dish pizza. So here about maybe 30 minutes, man, he finally gets up. I said, Pastor, what's wrong? He said, man, we ain't a praying staff. Oh, we come out to our meetings and we talk, we hear a little talk there, but we don't pray. And he was convicted that day. And he said, man, from now on, under my leadership, we are going to be a praying church, a praying staff. And we do. Maybe you've been to our staff prayers or, or Tuesday when we get together and we pray for you, whether it's an illness or something that you're going through. We pray. Pastor's a praying man, and, and we learned that he got that way. He felt convicted. Well, Hezekiah prayed daily. And then number three, why was he? Hezekiah, good king, check this out. Hezekiah relied totally on God and not his own understanding. He relied on God. Look what it says here in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 5. It says this, Hezekiah trusted the Lord, the God of Israel, and there was none other king like him before or after. He didn't put his grubby little paws on it and try to fix it himself. 
He wasn't worried about his little stinking thinking, like, oh, I think I can get through this. We'll do this, 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 that. Uh-uh, man. Every time, every time, he trusted the Lord. So, man, we start thinking about, man, are you pleasing God? Are you personally growing? Or are you just doing life? Do you have a prayer life? Are you praying? Are you following the example of Jesus Christ? You, by the way, is God decided to get up, leave his cell phone and his coffee behind, go to a place where he wouldn't be bothered or distracted and pray to the Father. And then there's trust. We all struggle with trust because we think our way is better than his way. Understanding Hezekiah had a foxhole mentality. Second Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. Man, let's see what we can learn from this foxhole. In the foxhole, your response is key. In the foxhole, your response is key. Look what it says here in verse 1 and 2. It says this. In those days, Hezekiah became sick. It was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die. You should not recover from this. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. Your response is key. My daddy told me about this response is key in the foxhole. Why? The chaplain's job, his job was not only just to, com uh, to comf com uh, comfort you when you were struggling and you were dealing with something, not only to comfort you, maybe you got injured, maybe a bullet hit you in the shoulder, not to only come in and pray you, maybe you were worried about life and death. His number one job was this. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That was his job in the foxhole, life and death. And my dad said he heard people deny Christ and then 30 seconds later, die and spend eternity in hell. Your response is key. Understanding it shows how we roll in the game of life. Hezekiah's response was always one to quickly turn and trust in the Lord. Hezekiah was always going to turn his back against the noise even the noise of a prophet and get busy with God. Why? Because as in life, in the foxhole, you're going to be under pressure. You're going to deal with pressure. Let me tell you something. If you don't want pressure, then don't do work for Jesus. If you don't want pressure, then don't expect to succeed at the highest of levels. Pressure is a part of life. And how you respond is teaching us how to dig it out of there, to dig out of the foxhole when you are under pressure, when you're under the aerial attacks. Do you know my daddy struggled with the 4th of July? He never took us, never took us to see fireworks. So I asked him one day, I said, why? He goes, because I saw fireworks for a year and a half when I was in Vietnam, and they were the real fireworks, and people lost lives. Pressure! Don't you understand that your response to this pressure shows your swag, shows your role? You're gonna be attacked. 
Look what it says here in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 30 and 31. It says this. Don't let Hezekiah, this is coming from the king of Assyria, don't let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord by saying, the Lord will surely deliver us and the city will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Don't listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me and come out to me. Then each one of you will eat from his own vine and each one of you from his own fig tree and each one of you will drink the water of his own cistern. Don't you understand? You are going to face pressure. Your response is key. See, part of life is learning how to deal with this pressure. How to deal with life. Every single day, man, we got, we got issues. Every one of us got issues. Some bigger and smaller, but it's a pressure. How we roll tells us where we are at with Jesus Christ. I got to be real with you, man. I tend to react, not respond. I tend to react and not respond. I want to bite and I want to bark. People often tell me that my passion is my greatest strength. But I'm going to tell you, my passion is also my biggest weakness. My passion is my biggest weakness at that time because I react instead of responding. Look how Hezekiah taught as a leader, how he taught his people how to respond. Second Kings chapter 18, verse 36. But the people were silent and answered him not a word for the king's command was, do not answer him. All those attacks, the bombs, eh, do not answer him. Why was Hezekiah able to see his people stand firm? Because he responded always in trusting the Lord, no matter what came his way. He was always quickly to respond. Second Kings chapter 19 verse 1 says, As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered his face, and he went into the house of the Lord. He didn't go seek favor from people. He turned to God. Your response is key. Man, throughout his reign, Hezekiah always responded, Lord, I need you now. Lord, I need you now. Yeah, MJ, I'll be trying out for the worship team here next year. (laughs) Lord, I need you. Don't you understand? It's about to be on. He responded by simply turning to God. It was my dad's response that still moves me today. I'll never forget the day when the oncologist, the cancer doctor, walked into his room. I'm on the right side of the bed, my brother's on the left side of the bed. And the doctor simply like steel, I mean just cold steel, said, sir, I got some bad news. You have stage four lung cancer and you're going to die. And my dad didn't bat an eye before he can even blink, the words came out, that's not bad news, doc. I know Jesus and I know where I'm going. My brother and I were bawling my dad just being told he's going to die, and here's my brother and I bawling, and my dad says, don't you cry. How do you respond? When you got a foxhole mentality, you respond positively, and you just trust in the Lord. And if that was going to be, my dad was going to die, and he died in 16 days from that diagnosis, he knew where he was going. See, when you trust in God, you don't even care 
when the pressure comes to you and it's life and death. See, in the foxhole, your response is key. Look at this one. How about this one? In the foxhole, your obedience is important. Your obedience is important. Verse 3, now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Dad often would tell me that in the foxhole, the commander would give the, the charge to rise into fire, take cover. Often in the foxhole, when the charge to fire and take cover, individuals wouldn't listen to the commander's voice. And for whatever reason, maybe hang a half a second or another second shooting artillery into the brush. Well, because so, they would take one into the hearts. And my dad would say, because they didn't obey the voice, they would die in the foxhole. See, in the foxhole, your obedience is important. Now, this stings me. Why? Because, man, I can step here and say, oh, I'm obeying God, but I'm not obeying God. I'm dissing God, man. I'm dissing him to his face. Constantly. Man, I see his word. His word tells me, John chapter 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will keep my commands. I see it in God's word, but I learned it from my daddy. Dinner's at six o'clock. Dinner is at six o'clock. You best be here at six o'clock to eat. But we didn't have no cell phones, had no, no clocks around the house, maybe one or two. So I mean, you kind of just put a little guess, guesstimate, like, oh, okay, I got, I got maybe 10 minutes here. I'm gonna forget, man, one time, one time. Six or three, I came down to dinner, my plate wasn't there. Dad says, it's in the kitchen. Oh, so I go in the kitchen, I'm looking at the counters, ain't no food there. Oh man, my dad, man, great man. He put a little napkin on it and put it in the oven to keep it warm for me. Ah, it's not in the oven. Oh, my dad, man, put it in the, 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 the fridge to keep it uh, fresh for me. No, it's not in the fridge. Yo, dad, man, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing this, uh, this plate, this steak, and potatoes, I'm not seeing it. He goes, keep on looking. Maybe look in the trash can. So I'm thinking, Oh, snap. So I go, over to the, I go over to the trash can. I said, okay, my dad probably put it up on top. Put it up on top. He's not going to, I'm going to get it in there. I'm going to go in there. And you're going to be like, okay, there's not too many things touching that thing. I'm going to pull that thing out. Dad, I don't see it. It's not in the trash can. Dig a little bit. You'll see it. Because he wasn't just going to put it on top of the trash can. My dad pushed the trash away. There's my steak. Put the trash on top of it. Oh, he made sure I wasn't going to eat that steak. One time, my dad was a one-time parent. I don't parent like that because I react. One time, learned my lesson. Peanut butter and jelly never taste so good that night. <laughs> never again. Your obedience is key. Look what it says here, man. Hezekiah reminds us of our obedience is important. Lord, I've been faithful, done what, is, what you've asked of me, served with a single-minded purpose, pleasing only you, Lord. Pleasing only you, Lord. I've served you with a single-minded purpose. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, fix your eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiated and perfected your faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Disregarding his shame is now seen in the place of honor beside God the Father. Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind, set your mind on things above. Focus. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12, man. I focus all my energies on this one thing, forgetting what's behind me. I ain't going to let that slow me down. Keeping my eyes going forward on Jesus, right? Why? So I can receive the, the heavenward call for which God calls me home through his son, Jesus Christ. Single-minded purpose, man. Single-minded Hezekiah. Lord, didn't I, I, this is what, I served you with a single-minded purpose. Understanding, man, your obedience is important. And then last but not least, check this out. In the foxhole, your honor is due to him. Your honor is due to him. Look at verse 4 through 6. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle of the courts, the word of the Lord came to him. Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you in this city out of the hand of the, of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. A lot of people use this verse here, this passage. Wow. Man, Hezekiah, whoa. His prayer life must have been powerful. God told him he was going to die. He prayed on it, and God added 15 years to his life. <laughs> wow, if I just live, live an honorable life, if I just do what things that I'm supposed to do, I can pray and God will find favor with me and he will bless me. Wow, man. Don't let that be your stinking thinking this morning. In the foxhole, your honor is due to him. It is never, ever about you. I don't care if you stand up on a stage and you lead worship and you, and you give the word. I don't care if 6,000 people came to know Jesus Christ in one week of your preaching. It ain't about you. Look what it says here. I will heal you. I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the king of Assyria's hand. I will defend this city for my own sake, my servant David's sake. 2 Kings 19, 34 says this. He, will, he said, I will defend this city for my own sake. Don't you understand? It's all God 24-7. We get no honor in this. We just do. Hezekiah received a blessing because it was all God. God ain't blessed Hezekiah for him to receive that. God blessed Hezekiah so God could be blessed, so God could be honored. Because when you're talking about true honor, you don't, you don't go out seeking glory. Only God does that. He wants all of your honor and all of your glory. 
46 years after my dad came home from Vietnam, he was honored. Nobody told me. I didn't go to war to get a pat on the back. I didn't go fight for this country because I wanted to get some honor. I was drafted. I fought in the foxhole. I love watching CNN and Fox when the soldiers come home now, and you've probably seen those stories, those really feel-good stories. Maybe it's a dad or a mom that are fighting overseas, and maybe that dad and mom are, they had the catcher's face mask on, they got the, the catcher's uh, equipment on, and maybe someone from that family is throwing out a first pitch, and they go out, they hand them the ball, and they take off the face mask, and it's mom, it's dad, and the stadium erupts. And it happened to my dad. He spit on. It's called a baby killer. He couldn't even put soldier of Marines in, on his resume. When he get a job. But 46 years after Vietnam, in his deathbed, can't walk across the stage, the governor of Kansas reaches out to all the Vietnam veterans. They all come to Independence, Kansas. Over 200 of them. Men. And I got to hear the words. You're a hero. You're a hero. 46 years later. My dad's dying in his bed. My brother and I, we walk across the stage. Gave me a medal, a medal of honor for my dad. A week later, he would pass away and he would hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And he would put his arms around Jesus for the first time. And even though he crossed the line, even though he had, he had heard those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, it still wasn't about my dad. Because when you're in heaven, there's only one bright star shining and his name is Jesus Christ. He's the only Hall of Famer, all pro, elite, the only one. You see, from the gratitude of your salvation, what you do for Jesus brings him honor. Honor. In the foxhole, your honor is due to him. <laughs>